0: hey everybody welcome back to the podcast uh from the Backburner podcast is sponsored by birch barrel my guests and i will actually get into talking about them a little bit later instead of the ad here at the beginning so uh i want to let you guys know so you know most of you guys end up seeing me hanging out uh somewhere on a hunt sometimes with with randy newberg aka big fin out there on the on the hunt talk forum Today, I'm actually hanging out in the backyard uh, with my new friend uh, Johan Magnuson, aka Big Swede. So I'm, I'm kind of doing the Nordic tour at this point. We've we've got a big fan of Big Swede. Um, welcome.
1: Ah, thank you for having me. I'm excited.
0: So this is this is legendary pitmaster Johan Magnuson, aka Big Swede. Um, if you're looking online, it's it's uh, Big Swede Barbecue. Yep. Um, seeing that he's a uh, uh, lives here in the valley with me and it was like it was kind of a good chance to to come hang out on a on a lazy day and and uh do some great barbecue and and uh, then record this podcast so
1: yeah thanks for having me this will be exciting oh well
0: let me let me start off by saying folks so i came over here to johan's place and i brought some deer um i have a a, i had a a big ham from a from uh, that Marcus, uh, Hockett took and, uh, sitting in the freezer, I was like, Hey, you know, I'm coming over, you know, uh, I got some elk, I got some deer, you know, we'd be interested. He's like, Ooh, deer sounds good. And I was like, okay, well, let me open up the freezer. And, and of course, um, you know, for those of you who know, uh, coos deer, uh, are pretty small. And so I was looking at, at my cuts and I'm like, okay, I've got a little package. that's half a backstrap. And then I've got, uh, which you know, <laughs> you you and I'd be starving at this point. I mean, that's the it, it, it's almost half a backstrap of a coos deer is maybe almost good for, um, you know, almost a meal for us. Maybe maybe a maybe, maybe a snack. Um, and I was like, man. And then I've got this little. I've got a, I've got a front shoulder, and and then I was like, well, I've got a whole ham. I got a big bone in whole ham, and I was like, you know what? That's a probably, it's, it's, it's good size. And so, so when Johan contacted me back, he said, hey, uh did you what dis- cut did you decide to bring i said i'm bringing you a whole ham and he's like he's like oh you know yeah we can maybe butcher in separate parts i said you haven't seen it yet
1: i oh. was very excited
0: <laughs> <laughs> i was like, you haven't seen the size of this yet we the, the individual cuts are a lot smaller than you might imagine so um because you end up working a lot with beef and pork and i mean you know those those really large cuts and so a coos deer is you know uh Ninety pounds on the hoof is a, is a is a good sized deer, so
1: yeah. But I was so happy when you brought it over because one of the things that I grew up with in Sweden and that I find somewhat difficult to get hold of here in Arizona is really good game meat. So and that was a beautiful cut, and it was the color was amazing. Just had a little bit of silver skin, but other than that, it was oh, wow. Yeah, what a and, great cut that was. Well, and that
0: and that silver skin really isn't as much of a problem as you no. find with with other animals. You know, um, you and I were talking. You you grew up in Sweden. Yep. Um, and uh, pretty much, you know, in a hunting family, fishing family, <laughs> that kind of. We, know, do, we did what a you lot
1: do. of growing up. We did a lot of like that's the benefit of of Sweden. And I lived in Malmo, and I also lived in Stockholm, which is of of course some of the. Uh, the bigger cities, but but you still have the proximity to nature and and growing up, we did a lot of fishing, a lot of hunting, a lot of foraging and And I just love there is something magical about when you get those earthy flavors and you just grill it, you don't have to put a lot of seasoning to it. you don't have to do a lot of lot with it it's just amazing it's just the flavors are so good yeah and so, so this brought me back almost to my childhood <laughs> so that was a that was a nice little uh trip down memory lane so appreciate that yeah and
0: so so johan and i met a few months back at um a uh, uh a barbecue event yep um outside one of the, the the barbecue stores here there was they were kind of showcasing all the different grills and stuff and and yeah. so Corey from birchborough called me up said hey Uh, you know, can you come out and and help me out with, with this demo? And I said, yeah, sure. So we got there and, uh, uh, immediately he's like, he's like, Hey, you need to go talk to this guy, big sweet. Like, like you and him are going to connect. He loves cooking game, loves hunting game. You know, and especially small game, and I'm like, all right, let me, let me. I said we we were busy cooking that whole day. I mean, there was there was kind of a constant. It was a lot people. of people,
1: and it was a constant stream. Um, I know you guys cooked up a couple of tri tips. You also had a couple of, of of other cuts. I was slinging pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think we made like 60 or 70 pizzas for people. So yeah, it was pretty busy, but it was nice connecting. And I'm I was glad that we couldn't spend a couple of hours together today. Well, That's so awesome. finally,
0: so so Johan was was a couple of tents down from us, and, and the guys in between us, um, they were doing a variety of things. One of the things they were doing was chicken. And um uh had this beautifully barbecued chicken. Uh, but it was it was kind of just a, a dry rub chicken, and, and um uh I had made some barbecue sauce and I wanted Corey to try it. So I I snagged some of their chicken, took it over, glazed it up, threw it on the birch barrel, um, got it really nice and 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 coated over the top, caramelized it up. Um, Corey and his wife were there chasing it, and I was like, I was like, hey, let me bring some down to Johan. And, and you know, we, that's how we can kind of introduce. We had a little, little kind of slow lull at that point. And so I, I was like, hey, are you go, going, hey, this is some barbecue sauce I got going on. And and uh so I handed off to him, and I had to run back because we we all of a sudden got more people in, and then I. A little bit later, you came up, and, and I was like, hey, what do you think of the chicken? He's like, well, it's all gone. So, <laughs> it's like, it was a good sauce. I That's just how ate, you I know I it's good thing. food. <laughs> when, it's,
1: when it's done and everything is gone, then you know it was tasty. Yeah, I, 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 can't, was also- I can't
0: claim credit for the cooking the actual chicken. The guys did a great job with yeah. the chicken. I, for me, it was just the barbecue sauce to add to it. So. Yeah,
1: but you can make a great chicken, and you put b- bad barbecue sauce on it, and that destroys everything. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. so, yeah, it elevated it.
0: So that was that was cool for sure. So this was our, our first chance to kind of connect and get together, and and so, uh, Johan and I, I was like, all right, let me let me bring over this big Coos deer roast, and I, I was like, I'm gonna wa- I want to watch Johan work his magic. You know, he's 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 made a name for himself in the barbecue world. Um, like I just I want to try and absorb and see what's going on, and so so he was like, all right, let's let's take this, let's get it seasoned up. And, of course, we were using the Birch Barrel for this. Um, that's really kind of where, where I wanted to, to kind of jump in to start before we, we get to what we actually kind of finished cooking. But yeah. but so, you know, Birch Barrel is a sponsor of mine, so it may sound as though I'm biased. I actually really enjoy Birch <laughs> Barrel. Um, but you are not sponsored by Birch Barrel. Nope at all. And so I want other folks to, to like, you know, I say, Hey, it's a great, it's fun. It's, you know, I mean, all these things that I can enjoy about it, but it might kind of sound contrite, you know, cause, <laughs> yeah. cause I'm, I have a vested interest in it. Um, you on the other hand, own your own birch barrel, you know, all that. Um, tell me what you like about it.
1: I think, I think when you cook a lot and I, I, I don't have one grill. I have, I have a a sickness, my wife calls it, because I I have way too many. But I think you go through different, we talked about this earlier, you go through different phases. Sometimes in the beginning when you're kind of new to grilling, maybe you get a a gas grill because it's simple, it's safe. And then you want to get a little bit more smoke into it. You get a pellet grill. um, You might get a stick burner. But then there is something where you want to go back to your roots. You want to cook with like fire, you want to have an open fire going. And I think the cool thing that I love about the birch barrel, there's a couple of things. Uh, First, I love that it's easy to move around, which which, as if you're a hunter or if you are like me, you go to different events, it's not that hard to break that down, bring it, put it in the trunk of my car and then pick it up, put it together and, and cook on it. I think that's one thing. The other thing that I like is the precision that you have with the fire that you can adjust how much air you get in. So you can adjust the temperature of the fire. You can also adjust a little bit the temperature going out when you have the lid down. And then I love the fact that it is a grill, so you can do hot and fast. You can do your searing. Uh, like if you have a back strap and you don't want to do anything with it, you just put it over some, some open fire and, and give it three, four minutes on each side, and then you're done. But like we, we have had a beautiful ham, a big roast, and we cooked it and we smoked it for almost three hours uh, with, with the whole... Um, grades elevated and I think that's the unique part Um, you can find Santa Maria style grills that can do a little bit, get further away from the fire but the lid that you have where you can capture all that great smoke, I think that, that makes it a very unique grill and then I think the last one it, it looks badass, right? It's one of those conver- conversation pieces when I have people over in my backyard. That's the number one grill that they go up to and say, hey, what is this? This looks so cool. And, you know, my ego sometimes says, well, that's, that's not a bad thing. They think that I have cool <laughs> little toys in the backyard. So I love it because it looks good and, and it cooks really well.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, and, and I just wanted folks to know that, like I said, that, you know, you you do have a lot of grills.
1: Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> I think last count, and, 24, 25 and, in it, the backyard. And
0: maybe not. I mean, it, that's, that's not necessarily a bad number. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you could have a few According more, to my right? wife,
1: it's a horrible <laughs> number. Probably. But yeah. according to me, you know, nobody has ever said you have too many grills. I don't sure. think that's ever been, been, uh, been named as, a, as, an, as an issue. But yeah, it's getting to that point.
0: But it's nice, I mean, that you have experience with a lot of those yeah. and, and still for, for certain applications, yeah. you know, choose the birch barrel. Oh, I, know, I love it. On. I think
1: it's one of my go-to grills, to be honest, because I it, it it goes back to what I said earlier. I think in the beginning, I like the simplicity of a pellet grill, sometimes just a gas grill. And when you want to sear a couple of steaks, it's easy and it's fast. But when I want to really get that 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 infusion of fire, when I want to – get the experience of cooking like like go back and do it the way that it's supposed to be done i think the birch barrel is amazing yeah
0: yeah no and that's it's precisely why i was like i was immediately drawn to it when i saw it and and you know was was so fortunate and thankful for these guys to be a sponsor of mine um it's it really is just you know it's entertaining, yeah. Uh, for me, it's also entertaining other people. Um, you know, because folks can kind of gather around. It's it's a little more community. I mean, they they really did purposely build that to bring folks yeah. in around that fire, um, like we did today. Just you know, standing oh, around yeah. looking and you know, playing with the, the coals and and adjusting heats and you know, moving the lid up and it's it's interactive. And it's also a great social time, yeah. you know, to, to to cook on it. And so um, that was that was. Uh, uh, I wanted to make sure, like I said, that was that plug that usually I put in the beginning. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to be able to share, have the guest share his experience with it. So it wasn't just wasn't just me that you guys it's like are a little bit from. of an
1: unbiased opinion, but, yeah, but yeah. still biased because it is a great. It's a great uh, cooking machine for sure.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I I really enjoy it. So so now back to what we actually ended up cooking. Yes. Right. So we, so we had that big bone-in ham roast off of coos deer, and so what
1: did we do with it? Actually, with 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 the with the ham or the we didn't do a lot to it. We put a little bit of olive oil because we had some silver skin, and I just wanted the seasoning to set. And then we put uh, I think. Our game boosts that we're developing right now, which is very simple, salt, pepper, a little bit of juniper berries, crushed juniper berries, a little bit of thyme, a little bit of rosemary, uh, some garlic and stuff like that, a little bit of sugar too. And just gave it a nice coating. And then we put it over, I think we smoked most of it with a little bit of charcoal and then oak wood that gave it a yeah. nice smoky flavor. And then we just let it go. We turned, flipped it three times. And just let it go to 130. Yeah.
0: No, and, and folks, I'm going to tell you, like, I feel incredibly fortunate. Um, Johan <clears throat> allowed me to, to to taste that today because that new secret formula for a game booster rub is out of this world it, it no, was so so good like no. it's not only like i got a i got a sneak peek of it by trying it today and actually having him cook it for me um on this to to, to test out it was unbelievably good i appreciate um, it like i i am super excited as soon as you get that finished and dialed out you, you've already got your first customer in line to buy the, <laughs> the bottles <laughs> of using it because i have experience with uh a lot of your other seasonings yeah so um I used the the badass um bird boost yep. um just for folks who are, who are listening if you saw it on my Instagram um I was cooking some quail. I was roasting some quail actually mm-hmm. in the birch barrel and I was trying out three different seasonings um and uh so one of those seasonings was was the badass um bird boost which ended up uh coincidentally being my favorite of the three oh, thank um, you. that I used there it was it was such a great um flavored crust that I ended up getting on that quail With it, just mind-blowing, mind-blowingly good, and so yeah, to to, I can tell you that that I've been I've been sampling pretty much every single one of these things around the barbecue table, just pouring in my hand and and tasting as we've gone along. Any of the ones that I hadn't, but uh, yeah, when that when that game boost comes out, it's it's going to be incredible. Um,
1: Yeah, the secret ingredients in that is juniper berries, which which a lot of people. Um, they have a little bit of bitterness to it, a tartness to it. But when you crush those up, you mix it with thyme, you mix it with a little bit of rosemary, and then salt, pepper, sugar, like you would always do. I think it brings out a, a beautiful flavor in game, especially game meat. Oh, it
0: was it was it was perfect on this deer. Yeah. I can say that for sure.
1: We used to when I grew up, like like uh, we have a lot of uh, closeness to good fish as well. So I grew up eating a lot of salmon. And salmon mm-hmm. is it's, it's very tasty. And what we did with, was we put together like a hot charcoal bed. And then we put like fresh juniper branches. And then you just basically put the salmon fillets on the juniper branches. And then the smoke, when these started smoking, brought such a great flavor to the uh, the salmon. Then I moved here and... We have juniper in Arizona, too. So I was out, you know, cutting branches off the neighbor's juniper trees. (laughs) And then I realized after a while that it's not the same juniper. Right. So the juniper that we have here um, in Phoenix, sort of in, in the backyards, that's not not a good juniper it's not really good for cooking you have to go up in the high country and take some of the juniper branches there right uh uh, so yeah that was a little bit of a of a mistake i think they're actually poisonous down here when you cook with them
0: yeah there there are it's the strangest part about arizona so many different species of plants and animals and things that that you know are 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 elsewhere they're just a little bit more unique and a little oh, different here yeah. like we were- and,
1: and i think that's the cool thing when you come from a from a place I, when people ask me what's the difference what is sweden like and i said it's it's hard to tell because sweden is a very tall country so if you put the northern parts of sweden like where denmark is in europe and then you stretch sweden all over europe the southern part will t- touch Sicily. So it will cover basically the whole... So Malmo, where I grew up, which is the southern parts of Sweden, our weather is like Seattle, very much so. Yeah. But then you take the northern parts, which is like Alaska or yeah. even colder, right? So it's, it's, you get the diversity in a, in a country like that. But then when you grow up with that flora and that, that the, the animals that they have here, and then you move here, and you realize that everything is different. Yeah. And you have to sort of re-educate yourself on what can you cook and how does this cook and what's the, and that's, that's it's, it's fun. But I think the thing that I realized the first year when I was out here, we did a lot of like walking out on the, you know, in, in the, the, the desert and did off-roading and you realize pretty quickly that everything hurts like everything <laughs> everything is out to get you yeah. like the animals will kill you you got the teddy bear jumping cholas that will attack you yeah. the cactus so it was like the Gila monsters it, it was fun but it's it's crazy how different it is
0: yeah yeah that's it, you got to be tough if you want to live in the desert oh yeah <laughs> they, because everything has a strategy to like yeah it's yeah, barbed it's, it's claws, out to get hooked, you spiked you know yep. you name it but um, and that's you. You make an interesting point because I, I've, in learning about you know what 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 American cuisine means yeah. or, or what what the American you know I think I think a lot of times there's a there's a misperception that that America hasn't provided much to the global food mm-hmm. uh, market. I mean obviously you know things from the new world corn corns yep. a big thing that came from North America, not necessarily you know America yeah. America itself, but um, you know tomatoes um, turkeys, uh, you know there, there are a few things that were, were indigenous only to, to kind of the, yeah. the the Americas that that went around but when we talk about you know like French cuisine is held as, as yeah. such a, a you know a high mark in terms of of cooking and but you know everyone's familiar with Italian and, ha- and that how that's a comfort food and then you know you have, you have really high heavy spices in, in Indian food but what was in- interesting to me about learning American um, food and, and maybe maybe you kind of, just touched on that a little bit, was that when immigrants came here, mm. uh, there were similar ingredients, yeah. but they were different. Yeah. Um, much like, uh, so I, I think the example was that, that France, you know, or, or most of Europe, had never seen green asparagus before um that it was all purple in europe before they came here and it's like okay well that tastes like asparagus but it's it's you know it's green it's not purple you know or or you know spices that came uh through the slave trade from the west indies or from from west africa you know that that kind of started to to coalesce around the new orleans louisiana area where cajun and creole kind of came about and And, and all that, and so may speak to that a little bit, I know you I mean, you kind of had the experience of of just saying that 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 you know coming over here, it's like, okay, mm. there's some same things, some different things we've got to adapt and adjust
1: but I think a, a, a part of it too is like I think American like if we start there, American cuisine in a lot of countries have has a bad rep. you talk about. You know, it's burgers and hot dogs and, and, you know, French fries, and it's greasy and fatty, and uh, it's not necessarily a, a, a positive... Uh, but then, when you go deeper into it, and and I think of American food, I, I I think of Southern barbecue. I think about Southern comfort food. I think a lot of it. It's like the New Orleans Cajun Creole style. It's it's unique in so many different ways. And I think the reason why I started Big Sweet Barbecue uh, when I moved out here is that in Sweden we did a lot of grilling, uh, but it was. Maybe it was pork steaks. It was a lot of hot dogs. It was regular steaks. It wasn't very exciting. And then you come here, and I still remember the first time, I think it was the second or the third day I was in Arizona. And we went to Famous Dave's Barbecue over in Peoria. And Famous Dave's Barbecue, it's, it's...
0: It's it's a chain. It's, it's, it's a
1: chain. It's not very exciting. But for me, a Swede coming to Arizona for the first time, and then try barbecue, it was one of those just mind-blowing experiences. (laughs) And that's really what drove me to, I want to be able to cook this. So then I started to, you know, watched a lot of barbecue shows on on TV, like Barbecue Pitmasters. We had a barbecue competition locally here. So I went there and tried to you know soak up as much as i could from every pit master i took a couple of barbecue cooking classes uh took a couple of barbecue judging classes and that's how i started big sweet barbecue was because of that first visit to famous dave's in peoria just sure. falling in love with it and i think that's 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 the cool thing and now i think i can cook regular barbecue okay i'm not like the best People who do this for a living every single day, but I can put together a brisket, and then you get to a point where you can start infuse a little bit of my own heritage and my own background and what we cook, and maybe start using sort of some of the ingredients here too. And I think that's when it gets exciting.
0: Well, yeah, and that, and, and I was gonna I was gonna mention that at, at some point I had read an article about you that that had said. You know, you were your your goal was you wanted to take over the world by by combining, you know, um, your 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 cooking heritage from from Sweden and, and American barbecue and kind of fuse them together into this you know newer bigger thing.
1: Yeah, I think the big part of it it's outdoor cooking, right? So that's that's where the passion is, and and when you go from a country where you have. When you move from a country where you have nine months of cold and misery and gray and rain and snow and (laughs) sleet and you can't really be outside and then you come to a place where you have... I think Arizona has 326 days of sun per year, and you can be outside every single day. And then you start realizing that my kitchen doesn't have to be in my kitchen anymore. I can move it to the outside, and then suddenly everything I can cook on a grill, everything I can cook on a smoker, and I think that's where it happens. And I, I think a lot of people are still a little bit limited in, in what they cook outside, and that's where bar- Big Sweet Barbecue is going now is more of educating people on the joy of cooking outdoors, whatever that might be, and and teach and educate people how to do that better. Sure. So that's sort of the the trail that we're on right now. I'm not sure if taking over the word, world is the right thing, but <laughs> if we can spread the joy to, to a few people and they like what we do, that's that's all I need. Sure. Well, you know, I mean, I,
0: it's, it's interesting because... Um as i started as I started thinking about that article that I'd read and and all that stuff, I was like, okay, well, what what defines, you know, Swedish cookery and all that other stuff? And And I had a thought because um, one of the things that that people here in the Southwest are familiar with is Mexican food. Mm-hmm. And so Swedish immigrants actually had an impact. Uh, here in the southwest and in Mexico, um, where you'll see restaurants called uh, La Parilla Suiza. Okay. And and for the folks out there who don't speak Spanish, what, what that translates to is the Swiss grill. Mm-hmm. And and so it was it was I was like why why is there a Mexican restaurant called La Parilla Suiza? Yeah. And and so for me it was kind of an investigative moment of like, okay, what's going on here? And and so so Swedish immigrants did have an impact. Um, yeah, a lot of Im- you know a lot of immigrants actually had impacts here, but the Swedish immigrants uh, had a proclivity for cheese, mm-hmm. and so that actually got incorporated into. Uh, there's there's some famous uh, uh, Swiss enchiladas uh, that, are, that are made in Mexico as well as here in the in the Southwest, oh, nice. almost kind of a Tex-Mex thing. But it yeah. it took that idea of of a chicken enchilada. Um, that the the immigrants in it, Swedish immigrants who were in Mexico were using, but they were using you yeah. know Swiss cheese, um, you know more, I, I, more of the, the yeah, and the I think European you have a lot of infusion
1: cheese. from from which is kind of one of the more, more fascinating things when you come from outside as well. It's the fascination that that the average American has about the old country. Like my wife, she claims. I'm I'm Danish, and I'm like, no, you're fifth generation American. There's nothing <laughs> Danish about you at all. Uh, but it's it's fun because people come up to me all the time and they say, hey, I'm Swedish too, and I'm I'm from Sweden too, and I'm, well, you have a great accent for for being a <laughs> Swede. No, my great 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 grandfather came over from Sweden, and I kind of love that that connection. And I think the food culture here has definitely been been, you know, influenced by both the natives, but also a lot of the immigrants coming in. And that's why I think it's so, it's so fun. Yeah. And
0: and there's, I mean, a very, very rich food culture here in America that I think a lot of people over, barbecue being, being one of them where
1: it was. (laughs) Yeah. You got the Germans, the Polacks, and then, then, then trying to make sure that they, they were able to um, use every piece of of the cow and and hence they started you know cooking and smoking and it was a way to keep the food fresh for a longer time as well which is which is which is cool when you start looking at the history.
0: Yeah, and and, and uh, to me, what I, I actually really like about it, you know, there, there's such a strong sense of, of place about barbecue. You mm-hmm. know, they they especially when you talk about the difference between Texas barbecue, which brought in the whole idea of brisket and, and beef oh, yeah. barbecue versus whole hog. You know, like even out in the Carolinas, or you know, you've got Western North, Car- Western North Carolina, Eastern North Carolina barbecue, yeah. South Carolina with the the, the mustard based sauce. You got yeah. you know Memphis, Kansas. The city, you know, and, Louis and the cool style. thing
1: about that is that there's no such thing as bad barbecue. They're all good. <laughs> They're all good in different ways. I sometimes get the question, so how, how what do Swedish people or what does people outside the U.S. know about barbecue? And and that's another funny thing because when you go to every culture everywhere in the world and you look at history in the past, they all have one thing in common, and that is that they all cook in some way using open fire. Mm-hmm. So here we might use pits in 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 South America, they they might dig it down into the ground and, and do things like that. He, in Sweden we do a lot of what do you call those uh, calderons mm-hmm. that you, you you sort of elevate over an open fire, but it's still cooking over open fire. And I think that's one thing that unites every person on the planet. And I think also when, you know, if you if you look at uh, the world that we live in today, that if we got together around an open fire a little bit more, I don't think there will be as much conflict. So I might be naive, I might be an idealistic person, but I think there's something magical happens when you have a fire, you have food, you have a couple of beers and you have friendship and that's... That, that's where where the good stuff happens.
0: Yeah, we are <laughs> pretty much exactly like we did today. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was this was fantastic. I, I I need to tell you folks. I got to build this this image for you in your head because, you know, yeah, okay, we cooked a Kuzder roast, but like that was not how the finished product was served. Um, so the the Kuzder the roast got cooked. It was it was just. Absolutely perfect. Um, maybe a little overdone, I think, than where we wanted to. We were yeah. hoping to pull it a little bit earlier. Yep. Um, but uh, so we sliced up some of that Coos that deer, and Johan made, like, a couple of pretty amazing sides to go along with it. He had this, It was a Chanterelle Madeira cream sauce. Yep. And then we had wild lingonberries that were macerated with sugar. Yep. Oh, my Lord. And
1: it worked really well because I, I think – those are things that, that that growing up in Sweden, like one of the things that I told you that we did was every every year we had two weeks where we rented a cabin up in the the, the middle part of Sweden. And for two weeks, the only thing we did was fish, and then we foraged chanterelle, wild mushrooms, um, black trumpet mushrooms, uh, uh, parsinis, uh and then... Uh, uh, wild lingonberries and blueberries yeah. and I think there is something like the tartness of wild lingonberries then you add a little bit of sugar and you just toss that a couple of times you let it sit for I think about an hour hour and a half and then suddenly the that sugar would sort of infuse with the wild lingonberries it's a great combination: the tartness of the lingonberries, the creaminess, and the umami flavor of the chanterelles. And then you had that that beautiful deer that was uh, red, and it was so moist, and it was, it 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 was almost like a tenderloin. That, that's how <laughs> how 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 good it was. It was a phenomenal cut of beef well, and or that's,
0: cut of meat, and and, and so if you need an actual image i'm going to post a picture of this on my instagram <laughs> when, when this goes because i think people are going to see that and go what in the heck are you doing like that that looks phenomenal and i i can't even describe you the taste but it was it was superb yeah like, I, like I, everything I, I, I worked would pay, together
1: i would pay to eat that in a restaurant i would yeah, pay for oh, that absolutely
0: absolutely so you you've been um obviously with with your um Spices and stuff you've got out now. A lot of the, a lot of the education component you're doing with, with barbecue. Um, I, I really just, I, there's so many questions I have about it. Um, so first of all, um, wh- where, do, where, what's behind badass everything <laughs> with your barbecue stuff?
1: So th- there's, there's this whole thing. So when I started and I made my, my first rub, um, I was thinking it has to have. It needs to pop somehow. And it was a beef, beef rub. But beef rub, there's so many beef rubs out there. And then I was thinking beef boost, that has a rhythm to it. Like beef boost, big sweet barbecue beef. Boost That, 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 that works really good. And then I was thinking, could we add something more? So it almost come uh, becomes like an alliteration, but a ridiculous alliteration. So I was thinking about a lot of different big, sweet, barbecue, beef, boost, beef. And then badass. There you go. <laughs> big, sweet, barbecue, badass, beef, boost. And, <laughs> and that's what I went with. So then we did the, the bird boost. And that yeah. worked too. Badass, beef, boost. And then I did a... Uh, a pork boost, and then that didn't work anymore because it was badass pork. So we actually had an idea that we would name that badass boar boost, and then we will keep it going. But that's why my wife finally said, "You know, you this is just ridiculous. Ninety percent of people won't get that. You can actually use a boar boost." On pork as well, <laughs> so let's let's skip that and and go back to you know just badass pork boost.
0: Yeah, what, wives always have usually the best. Yeah, ideas so it sometimes. was just that I wanted a cool
1: <laughs> alliteration, a nice rhythm to it. And badass, it's been good because I people talk about the badass barbecue rubs, and that became the thing. But it's also flip side, there was. Remember I was at a barbecue store in town and there was this lady she was she was looking to buy a lot of barbecue rubs for uh, like a church giveaway so she was looking at, and the guys at the barbecue store they recommended this is a local guy he's great they, everybody will love them so she was looking at it and then said oh it's it's badass no we cannot use badass in, in a church environment so that wouldn't go uh, so so there's been a little bit of a backlash so you, so you, you, lost, you lost your church you, audience yeah, yeah I <laughs> lost my church audience for, because of the name and actually there's a company that makes uh, these these hats uh, and I I wanted to get the logo on there where it says Big Sweet Barbecue and then Badass Barbecue Boost and there's my little my little pig is in the middle and they came back and they said that they couldn't print print uh, uh, the the label uh, because they couldn't uh, put anything that had profanities or negative connotations on there. And I was thinking, maybe I'm, I'm, I I know English is my, my wife always says English is my third language. My first (laughs) is Swedish, my second is childish, and then third is, is English. But I was like, isn't badass a positive thing? If somebody tells you you're a badass, you go, thank you. You don't go, Oh, I'm offended. I'm a bad so I, I never understood that, but <laughs> I guess that's in the in the PC word world we live in today. But I'm happy with it. I think it, it, it makes it, it stands out a little bit. So sure. I'm happy with the badass.
0: Now now some of your rubs though have, have done very well. Yeah. Um out on the barbecue circuits.
1: Yeah, we've we've had a lot of people win. Uh we don't really compete ourselves. Uh, I have a lot of really good friends that do competitive barbecue. We did it in the beginning. But after a while, I realized pretty quickly that I don't want Big Sweet Barbecue be about my barbecue is better than your barbecue. It's spreading the joy of cooking. But we've had quite a lot of teams plays really well in competitions using our rubs. And we were fortunate in 2018, there's a big barbecue competition called the American Royal. And uh, they have a barbecue rub um, sort of, section of that and against 300 plus of the best barbecue rubs in the world we placed fourth uh, with the same place with the same score as number two and then we lost the coin flip we're not bitter Uh, (laughs) but yeah that that really made a big difference because then our manufacturer which is old world spices who's the biggest barbecue rub manufacturer in the world they they said this rub clearly is really good. So we wanna distribute it all across the US and internationally. Yeah. And then they wanted us to do one more and then they wanted us to do a third. So now we have four of our rubs being distributed, distributed both nationally and internationally through those guys. And that's been a game changer. Yeah. And then last year, we didn't compete in 2019, 2020. And then last year we placed fourth again. So apparently we're the fourth best barbecue rub on the planet.
0: <laughs> you should you get shirts made. Yeah, fourth
1: big Swede. We're number yeah, four. We're, we're number, number four. four. We try harder. <laughs> I don't know, but it's 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 an honor and and it's, it's that's always fun. But I think the most fun part is like with social media today, you can get people all over the place. Uh, Connect with you, and and sometimes I had I had a person in France showing a picture of how he used his rub on something, and then I had another person in Wisconsin sending me a you know text message saying, "Hey, I love your bird boost. I appreciate it." And you know when when you get feedback like that, that's amazing, and you almost have to pinch yourself because if somebody would have told me when I moved here that. You know, 15 years later—that's how long I've been in in the U.S. That's 15 year, years later. We would have four rubs sold nationally. We would have seven rubs. We will be doing cooking and recipe videos for some of the biggest grill companies in the world. We will be hired to do grill events. I would be on a podcast with you talking about <laughs> you know gay meat and cooking. I would have said, "Yeah, that's that's not happening." So it's 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 just sometimes it's. It's the roll of a dice, and you're just lucky, and you're in the right place, and things, it's, things happen.
0: It's surprising where you end up sometimes. Yeah, and
1: you've got to be humble and appreciative for that, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, we're very happy, um, and hopefully we could just keep growing and, and keep spreading the love. Yeah. We still don't make a lot of money on it, to be honest, but, but it's, at, at least it's nice to have a hobby that doesn't cost a lot of money. Sure, sure. So we're yeah. getting to that there's point. That, like it's, that. it's break-even.
0: Yeah some uh, hunting sometimes i mean you know the, obviously there's the the payoff is when you're successful and you actually mm-hmm. harvest but when then when you start dialing up the price per pound Um, (laughs) yeah, you put into it, so you 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 almost like you can't think in those terms of like okay, you know, this whatever this animal this bird just cost me like eight dollars a pound because of gas and shotgun shells, and I mean, everything you put into it the license and all that. So, we kind of just you know, it's it's a good hobby, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be costly, but but the payoff is not monetary, it's it's and
1: and I can justify because I I I told you my wife is vegan for medical reasons, Mm -hmm. so. The whole food cost game and and really good meat is expensive nowadays. Oh, we yeah. all know how 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 the economy is doing. So uh, so sometimes justifying to buy like a a venison tenderloin and um, now when I know you I have a good in but but (laughs) sometimes when you have to go and get that at a store you pay 60 70 80 dollars for a venison tenderloin in the past it was hard to justify that now I can go yeah but I'm doing a cooking video on it so it's a corporate expense uh so (laughs) that's a write-off yeah it's a write-off so it's a little (laughs) bit easier to do it and then you just have to think oh i need to sell about 50 barbecue rubs to pay for it that's the (laughs) trade-off but all in all it 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 helps with with a little bit of the food uh food cost and and it allows us to do do fun things
0: yeah yeah no it's uh, i'm it's it's thrilling to kind of get a behind the scenes look of yeah. your of your your YouTube video operation i was i was in the kitchen today um, it would being the outdoor kitchen, yeah. Um, to see where kind of all that, that you know, the TV magic happens or the YouTube magic, whatever you want to call it, and and uh, uh, kind of experience that today. But it was, it was pretty awesome to just kind of hang out. I mean, today's been a really good kind of lax day. I know you've been busy, I've been busy, yeah. And so connecting,
1: you know, was with <laughs> at the end of the day, isn't that why we love cooking, though? Oh, right. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of those where you can. After a week of hard work, and I've been, like, extremely busy this week, but take a day where I smoke the cigar, drank uh, a beer, uh, but also just hung out with good people and cooking and enjoying food, and it's relaxing. Um, some people go to the gym to recharge. Some people go out and run Um for me I think that's that's it right you sit sit outside over an open fire you cook you feel all, you smell all the aromas you get the taste the reward afterwards um, I think that's how I recharge so oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's important to find those moments in life where you can recharge the batteries because otherwise we'll burn out
0: yeah and I, I think I'm probably about 50 50 there with you it's it's half of, half of my recharge is just you know, doing something new and exciting in cooking. Yeah. Um, Not just the, the, you know, the Tuesday night dinner for for family and all that stuff, but like, okay, I've got, I got a cool ingredient or I want to try, you know, a new technique or whatnot, or I've got a a great new you know piece of meat or, you know, whatever it is. And and probably the other half for me is hunting, obviously, you know, Mm -hmm. getting out into the woods and just taking a walk with a gun, you know, and, and, and really just getting to experience that and, and, you know, sit in, sit in nature and really enjoy that. So.
1: And I can relate to what you're saying also about cooking a little bit different things is that um, that's another thing why I wasn't really that thrilled about competitive barbecue because uh, the biggest, you have KCBS, Kansas City Barbecue Society, where you cook four meats. It's brisket, it's ribs, it's pulled pork or pork, and then it's chicken thighs or chicken drumsticks. Then you have the steak competition, SCA, where you cook steaks. And that's that's sort of and you're kind of limited to cooking those five meats to perfection, and after a while, when you cook you know two hundred briskets, it's not <laughs> fun anymore and and that's what I love about doing more of the 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 youtube videos and and do more of the recipes is that you have a little bit more freedom to be creative and and yeah. throw new things on there and and just experiment and have fun with it yeah and well and,
0: and some of your youtube videos as well i mean like some of your recent ones you just had a squab video yeah um which is very cool i saw a wild boar um when you're done. Yeah, and
1: and the funny thing is that I try to be creative about that and and the squab video, you don't get any views whatsoever because people don't really know that you can cook squab and I think a lot of people don't know, oh, squab is that dove, pigeon, what's the difference here? Uh, And then when you do a boring brisket video, that one goes viral and you get... uh, tons of views on it. So it's a little bit unfair that you want to cook different things and you want to educate people too. But I think a lot of people still want the basics, right? But sure. somebody needs to be in that, that space, uh, and uh, that's where we try to be. Yeah. I love cooking game fish. Uh, it's such a great flavor. It's such a clean flavor to some mm. extent, and you don't have to do a lot with it. You don't want to hide it. Uh, you don't want to change it. You just want to elevate the flavors. And that's, and there's so much versatility in, yeah. in game too.
0: And, well, that's, and that's a great segue. So, so using your experienced hand, um, how would you, uh, like, for the listeners out there, if, if you have a, a, a cut of meat off of one of the, the ungulates, a piece of pronghorn, a deer, elk, mm-hmm. whatever it is, Walk me through that process of, of how you would evaluate that piece of meat and and what to do with it. And, and, you know, if for someone who's, who's never done, you know, like, or, or has been satisfied with their barbecue game rant stuff, like you want to get Mm -hmm. a really good piece of meat barbecued, um, you know, off a game animal, which has a lot less fat, like, like walk me through that process of, of what does that look like to, to getting the best out of it, uh, from your perspective.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because you have the do you need to brine? Should you brine? Should you not brine? I think it's a personal preference. Some people brine because they want to get rid of a little bit of the gaminess to it. I, I love that. I, I think that's what makes gay meat taste gamey, and it's part of the flavor. Uh, but sometimes when you have maybe an older animal uh, or, and, or a black bear, you, you might want to <laughs> get rid of a little bit. Of, but so that will be like first looking at what kind of meat it is, what kind of uh, how old is, is the animal, uh, do I think I need to brine it or, or not. And most of the times I would go with, with not. Uh, then I, I think it depends on how big the cut of meat is. Uh, can I go hot and fast or do I need to let it cook over time? That will be the second thing i like simple seasonings i like salt pepper and like i said thyme i think it's a great uh, rosemary like the more rustic uh, herbs and seasonings like i said my favorite is probably juniper mm-hmm. uh, crushed junipers and then just put a light little dusting of that and then let the let the smoke and the fire do the rest i like to take mine and we talked about the one that we cooked I would have probably, I like 125 to 130. I like it rare. I like it medium rare at the most. Um, You said you sometimes like it almost blue, and I don't disagree with you on that. Uh, We did, (laughs) it's actually funny. We went to Sweden uh, two years ago, three years ago, and we were at one of the big hunting shows where you had 10,000 hunters in Sweden, Mm -hmm. and we had moose. And uh, I grew up with moose. My my dad makes an amazing moose roast, but he over, over like I think, overcooked it. But it was still great flavor. So we had all these hunters. And I, I haven't cooked moose for, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years. So we were standing there. We were representing this company, and they had fallow deer and then moose roast. And right. I think we had... 20 or 30 moose roasts and they wanted us to serve to the public and you have like some of the you had some of the best wild game chefs there too so it was like it was game on so we thought what do we do and and we said let's smoke it. Let's use a smoker. Let's put our Texas boost, which you tried, salt, Mm -hmm. pepper, garlic, um, a little bit of beef powder. So very simple, like an SPG rub. And then we just cooked it to 125, sliced it thin, and gave it out. And these hunters came back and they said, this is the best moose we've ever tried. Because a lot of them, first of all, they don't smoke. They roast it in the oven, or right. they and and the second part was also they take it to a much higher temperature. They're a little bit scared of going too rare on it. Sure, and for me that's that's and then of course let it rest. I think that's a common mistake a lot of people do too. We're so we've been waiting for cooking it, uh, so we start slicing it immediately, and then a lot of that that moistness and the juiciness is actually concentrated to the center of the roast. And it's almost like when you slice through that, like a water balloon pops and you get all the, the, the juices out on the cutting board. If you just let it rest for 35, 40 minutes, uh, that, that moistness will be more spread around the whole roast. So I think that's another one of those things that I try. Season it well in advance so the seasoning really sets. Let it take its time. Cook it to rare or medium rare and then let it rest. Yeah. And I don't think you have to do much more with that. Yep. Like when you have a good roast, but then you have the other aspects of like wild game and rabbit and <laughs> doves and and pheasants. Well, yeah, ugh. and
0: I mean there isn't a there isn't a um, for all the different varieties of game meat, there yeah. isn't the 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 one way fits all. No, you know. Some some species, you know, some certain meats you want to take all the way to full, yep. uh, You know, fully cooked through the one sixty five at least, and all that. Of course, because there are concerns. But I think uh, you know, like as you were saying, there. I know that there are a lot of hunters um, who are scared Mm -hmm. uh, of you know those lower temperatures, you know, or or, or haven't experienced um, that. uh, Where it's to me, it was revelatory. I mean, bless my mom's heart, overcooked mule deer her whole life. (laughs) <laughs> I, the only way I could eat mule deer was choking it down with with ketchup. Yeah, but when I had the first mule deer steak that was at that medium yeah. rare, and it was just like, you know, sky opens up. Oh, you know, it was it was this it was this beautiful moment. It's like, wow, this is what it really can yeah. be. You know, and and it didn't have the strong flavors and being dry and and yeah. you know, I mean, all the 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 things that were wrong with a piece of meat. You know,
1: yeah. Um, well, a lot of people they go like they drench their game in gravy. And a lot of times the reason why we drench it in gravy or the sauce is because it's dry, that we took it a little bit too far. Right. If, if you cooked it to a, more of a rare temperature, I think that's what brings out the flavor and the juices and the moistness, and then you don't have to do it. But again, you have to be a little bit careful what kind of animal it is, because some of them do carry some worms and, and things like that. You want to be a little bit careful. For yeah, them. you well, know more about and, that than I do. Oh yeah, no,
0: it's. It, it, we were talking earlier. You, you were you were uh, you were mentioning how hard it is to get rabbit. Yeah. In stores. Yeah. Uh, here in this country, and, it's, it's, and how it's, expensive it it's is. It's
1: so expensive, and I'm like, there's the only thing rabbits do. It's more rabbits. So it should be easy to find rabbits. But like if you go to a grocery store here in Scottsdale, $60 for a rabbit. Yeah. How 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 is that even possible? I don't get it.
0: <laughs> I don't know. It's it, it is pretty insane, but like rabbits, one of those things where um, within the hunting community, you know, um All it's it's probably one of the most common myths that I hear all the time. Yeah, is you know only shoot rabbits months at end in R after the first frost or the first snow. I mean they've got bugs. You know it's the whole perception of being diseased or parasite parasite ridden. Um, and it's going to make you sick and you're going to die, you know, and, and, and the reality of it is, is, is we live in Arizona. There's no such thing as a frost, no. you know, and it, there's a year round season on them and, and they're good. To, it's just, the difference is, is, you know, you look at that and you go, okay, well, you know, there's not any more or less diseases of mm. parasites in the winter than in the summer. No. Um, and so it doesn't, it, it doesn't really matter. It's just, they're big in the summer <laughs> You can see them yeah. and, and, and yeah, it's gross. I get it. But you know, the, it, Small game has always had those. I mean, it, several species, squirrels, another one, you know, I think it's funny to me that most of the rest of the world thinks, you know, Americans are insane because we eat squirrels and frogs, you know, <laughs> in this country. Cause a lot of other countries are like, there's no way I'd ever yeah. consider eating that. It's, it's kind of like us looking at other, I can't believe you eat bugs or, yeah. you know, I can't believe you eat that, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's surprising to me that, that with moose and, and. That you know, folks would be you know concerned of of you know being mm. too rare on that. I mean, it's moose is such a big, beautiful cut of meat.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. You know that that man. Yeah. That, I I want that beautiful kind of magenta colored you know center.
1: I wonder if it, it's most. I think it's mostly people that are perhaps not used to eat like. So we did a cooking class, and this is such a typical example. And we got fluke. Uh, I think it was fluke or flounder, but we got sashimi grade fluke for this class. It was like beautiful, transparent fish. Uh, the flavor was amazing. I think forty-six dollars a pound is stupidly expensive. So we cooked it. Like, I think that you should cook fluke, just a quick sear on both sides, like you would do with tuna, where you get, like, the little crust on the outside, get a little bit of flavor in there, but then you have that raw fish meat on the inside. Right. So we cooked the flounder or the fluke exactly the same way, and it turned out amazing. The flavor was so good. But then we had all these people attending the class, and it's white fish, and it looks raw in the middle. Right. And they said, we can't eat this. This is raw fish. And I said, but this is sashimi grade. So if I take this and put it on a sushi, this is what you eat when you go to the sushi store. It's the same thing. The only thing is that we just gave it a little bit of a sear. So, But it's not tuna. So it's not that pink. It's white. But it's cooked through... And we had about 30% of the class still refuse to eat it because they were afraid that they're going to get sick because it looked raw. Yeah. I think
0: that stops a lot of people from yeah. kind of opening their palate or opening their mind yeah. to several different things. Yeah, You know, there there are a lot of different dishes and ingredients and stuff, I mean, all over the world that, that yeah. people are kind of stopped from. Um, and it's the irony to me that that something like... Wild game sometimes is a turnoff to a lot of Americans, considering where we were a little over 100 years ago during yeah. the market hunting days, where the best of the best, you know, food on the market in America yeah. was wild game.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. You know. The, the still to this day, I mean, some of the most expensive oh, meals yeah. created in this country um, were wild game dishes. Yeah. You know, they were duck. They were. You know, I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: No, but I, I, th- I think it comes from sometimes when. So i got two stories about this. So the first one, sometimes it's better not to know what you're eating, I think. And you try it first, and then you tell people this is what you had. And that is how you change the mind. So there's a restaurant in Spain, out in San Sebastian, northern parts of Spain. A three-star Michelin restaurant has been voted the best restaurants in the world a couple of times, called Mugaritz. When you come to Mugaritz, they serve you 30 courses. And the whole idea is to cook stuff that people don't normally eat. So you will eat tendoins and, and, and like, weird stuff. Um, but they t- bring you into the kitchen uh, during, like, three, four, five dishes in. And then they give you one of those, what do you call those, uh, macaroons? Like okay. the little a little pa- pastry yeah. kind of a thing. And they said, try this. And you eat it, and you go... Wow, that's the best macaron I ever had in my life, and it was—it was truly phenomenal. And then they said, "Okay, let's tell us, let's explain what this is." So we took the egg out, and then we use uh, blood instead. So we use blood as the coagulation instead of egg. The filling is uh, duck liver. So this is a blood and liver macaron. And suddenly you could see my wife, this was before she turned vegan. My stepson was there, and they just turned white. And I was like, if they would have known in advance that this was a blood and liver macaron, they would never try it. Sure. But thanks to the fact that they tried it, they were like blown away how good it was. And and to this day, it's probably the best macaron that I ever had. <laughs> the other thing is that my my stepson, he's, he dated this girl who was very... Pick it with food, and she didn't, wouldn't eat anything that I served. So I said, is there anything you like? And she said, yeah, I like uh, spaghetti bolognese. That's a that's a good dish. And I said, okay, I will we'll invite you over. I'll cook a spaghetti bolognese, and it will be the best spaghetti bolognese you ever had. So she came over, we cooked it for her, or I cooked it for her, and then she said, oh, this is so good. Can I have a second? no second. She finished that, too, and she said, you're right. This is the best spaghetti bolognese you ever made uh, or I've ever had. So I said, okay, let me tell you what I made it with. So I used beef tongue that I sous vide and, like, chopped up into smaller pieces. I used oxtail. I used uh, sweetbreads. And I used bone marrow, that was sort of the main ingredients beside right. tomatoes and and she also turned white, right? <laughs> it was like, what? Did I eat this? And I said, if I would have told you that I would serve you this stuff, you would never have tried it. Now you tried it and you said, this is the best meal, best spaghetti bolognese you ever had in your life. And I think sometimes it's, it's our own mindset that gets in our way, our preconceived notions that this is going to be horrible, that prevents us from being adventurous with food. I, would, sure. I, I don't think there's one thing that I've been offered – that I've not tried. Yeah, I try everything. There are some things that I don't like. I'm not very happy with like blood sausage. It's not one of my favorite things, but I would eat, eat it. I would try it. Sure.
0: Yeah, I had, I had a friend of mine once. He uh, um, uh, he grew up in the Philippines. Um, his yeah. dad was a, was a, uh, somehow involved in mining operations or whatnot. And so like as, as a kid, he just he just grew up in yeah. you know Manila and and kind of all around that. And so. Um, uh, after we had met, he, he decided he was going to try and gross me out. And and so he took me to a Filipino restaurant and, uh, we get there and it was a buffet style. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, we're, we're kind of going along and, and it's like, you know, you just kind of choose your stuff. There's, there's not many people who speak English in this restaurant yeah. to begin with, but you know, we're going along and I was like, I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I'll you know,
1: let me, let me try that, out. that, and that I had no idea what it is, well, but I'm open to it. Well, I,
0: I, I asked, I asked the server to, to dish me up a, a scoop of this, um, what I call blood pudding. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll eat blood pudding and stuff like that. And I my buddy immediately, he was right behind me. He's like, He's like seriously, you going to have that? And I'm like going, I said, yeah, of course I'm going to. I'm like, that's, you know, that, I said, you guys make that, you know, the, in, in the Philippines, they make it with pork, pork blood and stuff yeah. like that. I'm like, I grew up in an Irish family. It was lamb blood for us, yeah. you know, or sheep blood. Yeah, Like, it's, you know. Not, not that big. He, he was more surprised about that. Now, when we did get to the balut, which is the the, the goose egg, the embryo, oh, I couldn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: no, no, but, no. but at least you tried it, and you can yeah, say I, ah, I, I, I don't I, like that. It's yeah. like in Sweden. I don't know if you've seen these on YouTube. We have something that we call sylströmming, which is a fermented herring. Yeah. So basically, you have like these YouTube videos where these tough guys from all over the place, they open up this can and then they all throw up because <laughs> the smell. And we would probably evacuate the whole neighborhood if we open it up. It's, it's pretty foul and it's a Swedish delicacy. But... You have to try it at least. And the thing that most people they don't know how to eat it because you open it up in a ca- like a bucket of water, then all those gases don't get out. And then you serve it with like sour cream, chives, some some boiled potatoes, and then it's pre- it's it's a little bit nasty, but it's still pretty good. Sure. But at least you have to try it, right? Sure. And I think at the end of the day. As a hunter as well, I think it goes back to being respectful to some of the animals that that you kill is to eat all of it, right? I think there's something beautiful about that too, that this animal gave its life so we could consume it. Then at least for us, at least the thing that we can do is eat everything and take care of everything. And, And that's, you know...
0: Surprisingly, that fish dish is one that I haven't tried yet. Yeah. Um, I've, I've actually been like, you know, kind of excited. One of these days, I'll yeah, make it over. Maybe I, we should
1: do a podcast I, on I, that. I'll I, bring you over I, and we'll I, open it up here. And uh, uh, yeah, there will be some interesting sounds in well, the background.
0: What's, what's funny is, I mean, over the years, I've actually had um, pretty good fortune. I, I, I used to. Um, Mow uh a woman's lawn who was who was norwegian yeah and so um uh I'd get uh
1: yeah ludafisk yep. uh
0: you know, so she had that, and then uh knew this this Jewish family So yeah. get gefilte fish and yep. like they're you know all those things, so I've had kind of those experiences yeah. but that's that's the one that I haven't is, yeah
1: ludafisk is it's it's not good let's be <laughs> honest it's it's not like hmm, today I feel like I'm gonna have another Lutfisk <laughs> yeah you don't. it's 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 maybe. Here, but when you use when you try the so swimming it's gonna be it's gonna <laughs> like be a, a level above. But but yeah, it's 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 still exciting, and and I think that's that's the benefit. We talked about you know traveling internationally, and I've had the fortune to do a lot of that. You yeah. had mm-hmm. the fortune, have had the fortune to do a lot of that, and I think that's part of the fun part too. If you go to like Indonesia or Southeast Asia or Africa or South America, why would you eat? Like the local, well, why would you eat stuff that you're already familiar with? That's oh, yeah. where you want to eat crazy stuff.
0: Yeah, And absolutely. then some
1: of it you will hate, but then some of it you will go, maybe I can bring this back and infuse with. So the story about that, Sweden have a very strong pizza culture. Uh, people don't know that, but we have very unique pizzas. And pizzerias were super popular for for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, we had a lot of, of immigrants from Italy coming after the war because the Swedish the Swedes stayed neutral. Right. So we still had an, uh, an industry and manufacturing so we needed workers. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Italians came and they started up pizzerias. But Swedes also... Traveled uh, like as tourists at a very like during the 60s and 70s. We went to Thailand. We went to Africa. We went all over the place. And then you brought home like bananas and pineapples and things during the 70s that were not very common in Sweden. Right. So we have pizzas with curry and chicken and bananas and pineapple, <laughs> which would we'll go like you can't eat that. That's that's gross. But I think that's that's the fun part too. You discover new flavors, and then you bring that with you, and you try to incorporate it. Oh, absolutely. Like cactus. I never had cactus before I moved here, but like the the jam, the prickly pear jam that you have, or marmalade, yeah, that's so good on everything
0: yeah and, and that's it's it's always a surprise that's that's one of the things that i I think impresses me the most that i I didn't really appreciate initially about Arizona was the fact that there's there's so many natural ingredients here in the environment yeah. that most people have never tried I mean yeah. prickly pear is is probably some of the most like I, I don't know like you know it's hard for anyone in Arizona not to try prickly pear at this point because it's yeah. just so abundant and available, but we've got, you know, barrel cactus fruits and we've got, uh, cholla buds and, and yeah. You know, there's, there's so many different species of cactus that provide something here, yeah. um, that, that really can kind of open your, And, and, it, and it's just mind blowing how you would almost think that, okay, well they're all going to kind of taste the same and they don't, mm-hmm. you know, um, like you get prickly pear syrup or prickly pears even they, they almost have a watermelon yeah. flavor to them yeah they do. Um, and and then you move over to like uh, if you're fortunate enough to be able to get saguaro um, cactus which are protected and, and you can't harvest on them unless they're their private lands or whatnot but when you um, distill that down to syrup it actually develops a caramelish flavor hmm. um, it doesn't have that that high fruity flavor yeah. that, that citric you know type um taste to it or, or you know I mean you just they're all a little different you yeah. know as you kind of go along and, it, and it's it's cool to kind of introduce people to those those yeah, additional flavors and
1: that's almost something that one want to do one time I there's a great documentary I don't know which streaming uh, about Noma that was yeah. that was uh, voted I think this year as the best restaurant in the world uh, so Danish uh, uh uh restaurant and they went to Mexico and they, they went to Japan the year before, a couple of years before, but then they went to Mexico in the documentary about Noma in Mexico. And what they do what they did was basically what they did with the new Nordic cuisine in, in, in Denmark and Sweden, which was to go out and just discover what grows natively there and find new ways of cooking it. So they went to Mexico with the same mindset of just going out in the woods, Eat and try and chew everything and find new ways to cook it. And then to put together a completely like unique Mexican menu based upon that. And that's almost something that you would like to do here in Arizona. Find some people who knew who knows what you can eat and what not to eat, of course, because you don't want to kill yourself at the end sure. of the day. But just go out and, and 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 forage stuff like that and see what you can do with it. Yeah. And it, connect that to some some sort of some of the local games. Uh, Game gay meats that you have as well. Oh yeah,
0: and it, and it's that's one thing. Um, a lot of chefs will talk about like a time and place meal. Yeah, and so you know, like you if you harvest this animal like right here.
1: Yeah,
0: right. Um, I, I certainly some guys like on a bird they open up the crop and they want to see what they're eating. Yeah, you know, and and go out and collect that wherever that is. Yeah. Um, uh and then create a dish that includes. The oh, environment, yeah, right, yeah. you know, from right around where that animal was taken, because yeah, they've been eating it this. Would, it would complement the meat because it does, it, does go it, with yep, it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and you know, the same with with you know pretty much any animal. I think yeah. you know if you can if you can find it in the environment that they're in, um, that would be you know it, it certainly adds an element to the meal that I don't know that you get anywhere else. Oh, for, for as for as fun as this, I mean, so we had you know. Coos deer from southwestern Arizona, uh, southeast Arizona, and lingonberries from the Pacific Northwest, yep. and you know, <laughs> and who knows where the for yeah, and, and so and Spanish wine and yep. all. I mean, it's cool to bring ingredients that never would have come in contact, yep. you know, together. Um, which is something I like doing, like, yeah. you know. We were talking about earlier, but it's also kind of another thing to to get real hyper local. Yeah, you know, in in that ingredient segment, yeah, just going. eat
1: stuff that's been sort of found within ten miles of where you are, yeah. and try to be creative around that. And I think sometimes that 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 simplicity forces some sort of unique, creative thinking and and sort of out of the box and a lot of times from that comes greatness right you you discover new things which i think what cooking is all about too it's having fun and experiment sure. and you probably done the same thing that i've done that sometimes you put things together that in theory yeah that this should work and then when you eat it it's like nope it didn't <laughs> and then sometimes you're surprised when you have things that you didn't think would work works perfectly
0: yeah it's it to me some of the, the that's the one of my my all-time favorite sayings is is you know some of the greatest meals and and, and things that happened in the kitchen yeah. were originally accidents yeah or or the or it became you know the mother of necessity yeah. um, crap we don't have this ingredient what can we use to substitute in and something magical was found yeah. you know that, that didn't occur before that you know
1: that's actually there's a there's a dish in Sweden Called a uh, toast Skagen, which is uh, you get the uh, fresh North Atlantic shrimp, and it's it's somewhat you would say the national dish of Sweden. Mm. Like when 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 you ask Swedes what is. You, ha- you might get a couple of ob- ob- like meatballs probably will be up there. Um, Swedish fish, no. Uh, but, but like some of the, but Tostkagen is always up there as one that Swedes perceive as a national dish. And the way that that happened was there was a, a sailing competition that one of the most famous chefs in Sweden he was attending, and they were out on the boat. and then suddenly the wind died. And they were planning on going into to shore and and eat and cook something. And suddenly they're out in, in the open water. There's no wind. They can't get in. So he realized, I need to put something together for everybody because everybody's starving. So they opened the fridge, and he has North Atlantic shrimp. He has mayo. He has dill. He has a little bit of red onions, and he has like a toast. That's basically it, yeah. and maybe he had a little bit of road too. So he and Dijon mustard—that's yeah. well, key—and <laughs> basically he took the mayo, mixed it with Dijon mustard, put a little bit of North Atlantic shrimp, a ton of dill, some red onions. He toasted the bread, boom, put that whole a slab of that stuff on top, and that—that that is so good. And then he <laughs> squeezed a little bit of lemon on top, and that was it. And it—it it became. And it still is considered one of the best dishes in Sweden, and it was because that was in the fridge.
0: Yeah. So. That, no. Those. It, it's it's cool to hear interesting stories like that. You know, where where the origin of something is really just something so simple or so you know need became the mother of necessity. Yeah. You know, like okay, we're just gonna we're gonna, you know, throw this together. Yeah. And, wow, here we go you And then know. sometimes when
1: <laughs> like when I was in college, we did the same thing. We had a dish called Tutte di Casa, which is everything in the in the house. <laughs> that's when you open up the fridge and you go, hmm, let's see, what do we have? We have some ground beef, let's throw that in the and then we have a little bit of this, we have a little bit of this and then let's cook it up and see what it tastes like. Yeah. Uh, I would say more Often than not, that turned out disgusting. Yeah, but but the day after, you didn't really care.
0: <laughs> I, I I have one I have one of those dishes. I call it what you got stew.
1: Yeah, <laughs> whatever <laughs> so works.
0: We're just going to make a stew with whatever you got in the coolers and stuff. So let's just let's throw it all together and make it work.
1: Well, that know? was a little bit what we did today. We looked at my in my freezer. We found chanterelles. We did some wild berries and sure. threw it together.
0: Yeah, but in in. In more remote settings, like, like this is, it usually happens in camp, yep. you know, it's like, we're getting close to the last day and we need a big yeah. family meal. And cause like, what do
1: we have left? <laughs> what's,
0: what's all in your coolers, <laughs> you know, like let's yeah. open up all the coolers and figure out what's oh, there. And good. it's like, okay, you know, we'll just, yeah, like, give me that, 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 this will all work and, you know, throw it together. So. You gotta love that. Yeah. And you never know. I, I think probably one of the best what you got stews we had at one point, it, it, it worked out beautifully. I think there was like a little bit of antelope. Uh, there was uh, squirrel, there was <laughs> a rabbit, there was bobcat, uh, you know, and like everybody who tried this this big stew, like we weren't prepared to make stew, and suddenly yeah. they said, Well, yeah, you guys are making the meal for tonight for everybody. It was like, Oh, like we we were never told, we never planned, and so you make this big pot of stew. Yeah. Everyone loved it, and every, anyone who walked up was like, Hey, what's this white meat sitting <laughs> here? <laughs> we're all like, You know, I don't know what it is. We don't we, know. We didn't want to uh... tell anyone it was bobcat, so. Uh, <laughs> Oh, that's funny. And it was like and and the bobcat was pure accident. It wasn't like someone just had, you know, like yeah. a bunch of bobcat. They had literally just trapped a bobcat and skinned it out nice. um to be able to sell the skin and most of the time they would just kind of toss the the carcass and it was like, no, save that. We we need that well, meat. Well, everything
1: so. works in a good stew, uh, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And
0: and, and that was kind of it's it, I'm 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 a little partial to cat meat. I I yeah. actually really like bobcat and and it's it's a it's a fun meat to work with, but um, very not very common that's for sure um
1: i don't think i've ever had bobcat what does it taste like
0: it's it's a sweeter meat yeah um i actually i I have a guy he would he would literally trade anyone elk meat Hmm. um which which you know anyone who's ever had elk i mean it's about as close to beef as you're gonna get i mean it's it's very tame it's it's you know um rich and stuff like that but he would he would trade elk meat for anyone who had lion meat or bobcat meat he's like he really loved it but yeah it's 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 a lighter meat it's different cuts Mm -hmm. um it has probably some some qualities cooking qualities and and that close to close to pork as well as Mm -hmm. chicken
1: yeah
0: um it's got kind of like there's a little bit of of things that are going on there in it but um i really really actually kind of enjoy i gotta put it on the
1: List of things to try out.
0: <laughs> so, so tell me about. Uh, we never really got into um, bird hunting as a kid there in, in yeah. Southern Sweden. You said you, you know Northern Sweden was was a lot of the moose hunting. Yeah, and, and that so kind of stuff.
1: well, and it's spreading now a little bit all over the place. But especially in September, Sweden shuts down for two weeks yeah. uh, because that's the moose hunting season, and every you know. Uh, person up in the northern parts will do that, and and we need to do it because there's there's an abundance of moose, and 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 I, I don't know how many they shoot a year, but it's been an increasing number every year. Yeah. So it, it's it's needed, and and so that shuts. In. in the southern parts of Sweden, we don't really have that as much. So we had more like pheasant, grouse, um, uh, dove. Or, or squab, so we did a lot of that, uh, and and we didn't. We had a summer house out on the countryside, so we didn't really care about a permit. And a friend <laughs> of mine had had a couple of shotguns, so we went out there and and shot things, and and uh, yeah, it was probably not really legal. Yeah. but that that's that was my sort of a lot of the hunting that we did was was uh, game bird. Yeah,
0: you know, as, as we were talking earlier about how how people, you know, don't like something because of a, of a perception or misconception yeah. about you know what it is. Um, I, I often wonder. Um, do you think that some of that might stem from just people who are completely disconnected from where their food comes from?
1: I th- I, th- I think to some extent. I think. A lot of people are disconnected to where the food comes from, and 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 it's 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 hard to tell. I I, I think some people yes, without yeah. a doubt. Um, I think with some people it's just ignorance, and sometimes they don't want to know. Um, I know my wife; <laughs> she will not accept that I cook ev anything at home that's that has a head on it. Yeah, because for for her that is a reminder of, and, and this goes back even before she was vegan for medical reasons, uh, it was just a reminder that this has been a living animal, that it's easier when it didn't have a head. Yeah. So when I brought home like a goat head, and I cooked the whole goat head <laughs> in my smoker, she wasn't really happy about that. Uh, uh, l- lately I cooked a lot of squab, and uh, I kind of liked, Cooking squab with the head on, I think it looks good from a from a serving perspective. But when she's home, I have to cut it off and yeah. uh, trim it off. Um, so I think it, it's. But again, it goes back to what, what I think: if 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 an animal gives its life so we can eat it, the yeah. the most honest thing I think we can do is appreciate appreciate that and honor it yeah. by eating everything, but also. You know, calling it out for what it is. And I think that, I think as a society, I think we need to eat a little bit less meat. Yeah. I just think that's the reality of things. I think that a lot of d- disease is happening when you have like the, I don't know what you call it, but the chicken factories where everything is crammed into. So I think the future is probably eat more vegetables and plant based stuff. But when you do eat things, then you eat animals that, you know, they've they've had a good life. They've been in the wild. They they haven't been in one of those chicken coops and, sure. and or, or beef farms, but they actually did free range and, and open range. And I think I hope that's where we're going as a society.
0: Yeah, yeah the, I mean, certainly the the highest quality, highest caliber, yeah, you know, meats that you can have when when you're when you're eating them. Um, well, like I said, the reason why I ask about the disconnection is, is you and I both share kind of that that common history of um, knowing where, uh, kind of early on in our in our history mm-hmm. of making the connection that, oh, this animal dies and, and it becomes food. Yeah, you know, where yeah. some people don't kind of kind of see that or you know have that appreciation for yeah. it, and so it just kind of, you know, like I said, stepping back into that of. of our connection to understanding that, that that was food happened very early. Yeah. And, and for some people, that doesn't happen for a long time. I mean, you know, yeah. as you were saying, you know, meat comes at the store in a white styrofoam container without a head, without feathers, without fur, yeah. without feet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, but it, 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 I had this, this person come up to me in a cooking class, and we did lamb chops. And I love lamb. I think it's, it's a great—and she said, I can't eat lamb and I said why is that because I just think about those fur little animals and I said have you seen chickens they're like adorable <laughs> so I think there's also that disconnect with with like we make a, sort of a, an emotional connection that we like certain kind of meats like deer for instance mm-hmm. could be perceived for from a lot of people that those are cute animals, they're cute little they're they're cuddly yeah and you don't want to eat them uh but then you can eat stuff that that's ugly and doesn't look cuddly yeah. at all
0: i remember one point um uh PETA, uh the people for ethical treatment yeah. of animals uh created a billboard at one time and they had like all these different animals lined up from like largest to smallest and they mm-hmm. were like where do you draw the line yeah you know because it was it was and they had like a, a I don't know. I don't know if it was people just on the internet with the memes, yep. you know, drawn in their own red lines about, <laughs> you know, cause they, they were making the point that some animals for us are companions like pets, cats, yep. dogs, you know, that stuff, horses, whatever. Yep. And then you have cows and pigs and, and, you know, the things that are just commonly eaten Yeah. where, you know, a, a bunch of FFA kids, <laughs> you know, they raise like they become their, their pets, you know, in yeah. essence. And sometimes they, they understand that harsh reality. That yeah, this kid, this this animal is is going to get purchased at the auction. It's going to go to slaughter, or you know, we just keep mm-hmm. it and let it live its long life. And those are the decisions that you know we make about how we you know treat or deal with yeah. animals um, in the long term. And so it's
1: it's it's such a it's such a hard question, and it's such a you know loaded question to some extent, yeah. I think. And and I've always been of the. The, the opinion that I try not to judge other people based upon the choices that they make in their life. But I would also appreciate if people don't, you know, uh, object to my choices, right? Yeah. I think that that's the freedom of choice, which is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. I love eating animals and I'm never gonna change that. Yeah. But I'm married to a woman who just only eat vegetables mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that too I don't I don't try to convince her that that's not right and uh, she doesn't try to convince me that I should stop eating meat so I think it's it's finding I think it becomes fun when you when you st- still learning a little bit more about like plant-based cooking you sure. can do phenomenal things with with just veggies today and I think it's one of those underappreciated sort of Especially amongst meat eaters, they, yeah. they throw out vegan or vegetables. It's almost like a little curse word when it's so good if it's cooked the right way. And, and that's that's a great
0: point because one of the things like for the the quote unquote meat eater, yeah. you know, who who like has a lot of experience cooking meats and stuff, you know, the barbecuing, grilling, and all that other stuff. If you want to challenge yourself, you know, yeah. in in your own abilities. Um, there are are some really cool things and, yeah. and actually techniques and styles. A lot of things you can learn from from yeah. expanding outside of that to trying and elevate vegetables and stuff, which are you know great accompaniments. But it also might make you better yeah. cooking the meat that you're yeah. normally doing. So
1: and it's, it's interesting because the, after I did my my beef boost, my bird boost, and my badass pork boost, my wife said that you're not allowed to make any more barbecue rubs. until you make me one so I had to be creative so we did our veggie boost Mm -hmm. and I was told already beforehand you won't sell any of it, it's a complete waste of time don't bother Uh, and I put a lot of time into it, I think we did 50 test cooks with different blends, we mixed so basically it's fresh herbs and and salt, pepper, garlic and a couple of good stuff in there Uh, vegetable bouillon to increase some of the flavors. Um, But it's one of our best-selling rubs because people say that there's not a lot of really good vegetable seasonings out there. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of surprised, and especially when it comes to grilling, I don't think there's anything better uh, than just uh, put some some oil on a couple of vegetables that you sliced up, throw it on a plancha, throw a little bit of good seasoning on it, and just let it go. And then I like to add at the end, just a little drizzle of ponzu sauce, because you get the soy, the umami, and then you get a little bit of that citrusy, and yeah. it's just so good. And it goes with everything, and you can't really fail. Yeah. Like um, broccolini's, red bell peppers, uh red onions a couple of squash slices carrots oh, it's so good yeah <laughs> right and it's easy to make and it's 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 good for you and and I think it goes really well with gay meat as well
0: sure well and and so uh, you know always, those jokes about, oh, you know, we don't eat rabbit food or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I think if it's good enough for a rabbit that I eat, you know, yeah. it might be good enough for me. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah.
1: One billion rabbits can't <laughs> be wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now serving our billionth rabbit. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, the old McDonald's sign of how many people have been served, you know? Yeah. Um, well,. <sighs> I, I I can't thank you enough for today, Johan. This no, is, this
1: was, was good, and thank you for the wonderful piece of meat. That was that was so good.
0: Oh, no, it's it, and, y- you and you I think you will put way. some
1: pictures up there because uh, it looked when you cut through that and you saw oh it was it was so tender, it was so moist, and it, and it, it worked really well. It,
0: so, if folks want to find you or find out about you, where
1: where can they look you up? We're on all the social media channels. Uh, <laughs> just look up Big Swede Barbecue. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And Big Swede BBQ. Yeah. We're even on TikTok now. Nice. Yeah, we don't do TikTok dances, though. Nobody wants to see that.
0: <laughs> I think Big Sweet doing doing TikTok dances would be would be interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I don't I don't think so. That would be jiggle it just a little bit. Uh, my wife wants it to be a little bit less Big Sweet, I think, at the end of the day. But I told her now we have a brand that we need to protect. And it's, you know, medium-sized sweet barbecue doesn't look, it doesn't sound as as, as cool. So. Yeah, we have an image stuff Yeah, oh, no. we have to go. Uh, X, 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 XL in t-shirts <laughs> that's just the way it is no but it would, it would be great if, if people would follow along and, and we'll try to cook we we often ask people to come up with like ideas of what they want us to cook as well so if, if any of the people listening to this they want to see a certain recipe I will yeah. gladly experiment and yeah. most of the times it turn out great and sometimes it yeah. does not how long
0: how long do you think we all have to wait for the, the game boost?
1: I don't I don't know. It's probably fall. fall. I'm, I'm thinking fall. Fall of this yeah, year. Yeah. Oh my
0: I I like I said, I want to be first in line to buy as many jars <laughs> of that as oh, I can. No, appreciate it. Um uh, they you. they were phenomenal. Um, but uh you also have a cookbook? We do, yeah. Um that's out now.
1: Yeah, it was one of those little COVID projects because I did everything myself. I you realize you work virtually you work from home and i i realized i had a lot of recipes and and i had some pretty good pictures too so i thought why don't i put this together in a in a cookbook so it's 288 pages 140 recipes i think we have uh 15 game recipes in there yeah. so we have we have some cool stuff like kangaroo chili we have a couple of venisons we had fessens we had two i think two squab recipes a couple of rabbit recipes yeah. have a really good rabbit meatball sub oh nice. a recipe nice uh, so yeah it's it's it was a fun little project and and um, yeah exciting yeah.
0: i know how much you love squab so so maybe we're going to try and get you out for uh, Opening day of Dove season. Oh, I, wanna, yeah. I, I do want to do that.
1: It's it's the I think it's like the perfect little snack. You 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 cut that squab in half. You grill it quickly. Put a little bit of a good rub on it. You have the you have the long leg because I, I like to keep the, <laughs> the feet on the feet on yeah. And you get like a perfect. It's like a, a chicken wing but with a handle. It's it's good <laughs> and it's it's gamey. It's red meat and it's it's perfect. So yeah. That's awesome. Count me and, in.
0: And folks, if if, uh, if you're looking to pick up a, a birch barrel at all, the one thing I forgot to mention was uh, use our promo code BURNER, B-U-R-N-E-R, at checkout for a 10% discount on that. Um, again, thanks so much, Johan. Yeah, thanks We're, for having really, me. Really this was fun. it. Um, all right, folks. We'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.